Well, hey, everybody, Levi here. I'm coming at you from Canada. It's a great pleasure to be with you today, Jordan Vailima and all the family in Wainui at Hills NZ. Love you very much. And uh, thanks for reaching out. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, in fact, today's the first time I've been back to New Zealand in the two years that I've been away since um, starting Liberty City here in, in Ottawa in Canada. So uh, it's great to be with you, uh, even if it is online. And I'm praying for you all during these um, difficult times. I know that you're on level four lockdown in New Zealand, and um, but I, I really pray that this message today will speak to you. So if you are, if you do have a Bible, if you're taking notes, grab those out no matter where you are, dining room, living room, bedrooms, kitchen bench tops, all over, uh, all over Wainui. Uh, and I want to talk to you today on the topic of we are friends of God. We are friends of God. And I believe it's going to be an encouraging word for you today. Hebrews 2, excuse me, 16 and 18 says this. It's obvious, of course, in the message version, that he didn't go to all of this trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins. He would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. John 15, 15 says this, I no longer call you servants, but because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are your friends, that you call us friends, that it's a privilege you bestow upon us. We pray today as we come around your word, speak to us. Touch us, Lord, today we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing up, and you and I both know that everyone has nicknames. Every single person. James becomes Jimmy. Robert becomes Bill. Nadia, Nards. Kobe's the Black Mamba. Michael's the Goat. Aubrey becomes Drake, and Drake becomes Champagne Puppy. We can't live with someone just having an ordinary name. Maybe we get that from God. He has many names. Saviour, Lord, the Rose of Sharon, Lily of the Valley, the Great I Am the high priest, that makes sense. He's God. But he also gives us many names. Children, sons, daughters, priests, chosen, a holy nation. But one of the names he gives us is maybe the most simple and unassuming name of all of them, and it's the name friend. You and I are friends of God. What a privilege. You see, it's one thing to know someone. It's another thing to be acquainted. It's another thing to see someone regularly. It's a whole new thing to call someone a friend. Claim friendship too early and it's weird. You know, when someone's like, oh, this is my new BFF. Accept it too late and it's sad. Man, I thought we were friends. A friend speaks of a special two-way relationship, a unique role, a special privilege, a position in someone's life that's got a sense of responsibility. At my wedding, we gathered... And uh, the, the marriage celebrant said these words, we are gathered here today as witnesses, which is not a passive duty, but an active one. Being a friend is an active duty. We are friends of God. Friends make life better. I remember crossing the border from uh, Ontario, Canada, into the United States, I think upstate New York. That's where we cross over. Is it upstate New York where we cross into? Yeah, it's upstate New York. And we crossed over and... We asked, uh, we were asked by the border uh, official, the, uh, the American border official, he said, um, have you ever had any problems with the law, any trouble with the law? And I, I haven't had trouble with the law. I said, no. The person that I was with was like, oh, uh, this is what he said verbatim. Oh, this one time I made a bomb. And I was like, what? Like, 
you don't say that. What are you doing? Like, so we got hauled inside. He got asked a few questions. And what he meant was he made fireworks in his backyard, which in New Zealand is the favorite pastime of any, of any teenager. And, you know, and I just will never forget him saying it, the look on the guy's face and us going through this whole process of trying to figure out the rigmarole that my friend caused us by using that four-letter word that you don't use crossing into any border, least of all the United States of America. But what would life be without friends? What would life be without people that ring you, FaceTime you, connect with you no matter where they are in the world? When we arrived in North America, we knew no one, so we made some friends, Josh and Georgie Kelsey, C3 in New York City. They reached out, they encouraged us, we hung out, and now we are the closest of friends. Friends hold a special place in our lives. Someone to call you out when you're wrong. Someone to console you when you get called out because you're wrong. Someone to encourage you, someone to love you, someone to listen and laugh with you. Friends, in short, make life better. We are friends of God. And if you're taking notes today, I want you to write down these few thoughts I have for us today. The first thing I would say is this. Friends talk about everything. Exodus 33.11 says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. Moses was a man who would talk to God as a friend. Evan Roberts is a man recorded in history as someone who led the Welsh revival. Over 100,000 people were saved across the span of 24 months in Wales. If anything, they said that he was a man of prayer. A man, they say, would humble, uh, would mumble under his breath as a daily practice. You don't know where to start with prayer? Bob Goff says, don't worry about all the steps. Begin. Start as you would with, his friend, with a friend. Talk, make jokes, have fun. Prayer has been mystified. Let us demystify it. Phil Pringle said that prayers are deathless. Jensen Franklin says prayers outlive those who utter them. Oswald Chambers says they can shun our appeal reject our message, oppose our arguments, but they are helpless against our prayers. Mika, my daughter, she's nine. She personalizes her journals. You know what that's like. You get a journal, you personalize it, bedazzles and glitter and name tags. And she has so much stationery, pictures, stickers, crafts. She makes her journals her own. They are unmistakably Mika's. When it comes to our prayer life, he loves us personally, but let me encourage you today, personalize your prayers to God because he loves you on a personal level, not on a general one. We, my friends, are friends of God and friends talk about everything. And when I first got saved as a 12 and 13 year old in New Zealand and Wellington, I didn't understand prayer, but I would just take the Bible as true when I read that I was a friend of God and I would talk to him like he was my friend. I would try not to be disrespectful and be uh, overly comfortable with God. But at the same time, I would walk down the street. I would go on big, long walks around the Miramar Peninsula. And I would just pray. And I would say to God, how are you? And expect that he would answer. And I would try and figure out what it sounded like to hear from God. I would ask him how godly things were, what it was like to be nobility, to have a throne, where was heaven? How was he doing with the global economy? I would ask him questions and figure out if he would answer those questions. But... I became, I think, in a, in a way that was appropriate, I became familiar with God's presence as a friend. Not just as a king or a noble 
or as an eternal, immortal being that I could never see that was a great mystery to me. But I tried to communicate with God as a friend, and friends talk about everything. He's the kind of person that knows what you're thinking before you think it, but still wants to hear it come from you. Sometimes I'll get a phone call from my kids' teachers from school. They'll ring ahead and say, hey, this is what happened today. And then the kids will get home. But I want to hear it from them, good or bad, because there's nothing like having a conversation with your kids. Friends talk about everything. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. The second thing I would say is this. Friends trust each other. Trust is an old school value. It's old fashioned. It's kind of going out of fashion a little bit. It shouldn't do. The global financial crisis of 2008 led us to distrust accountants, Wall Street officials and lawyers. When trusted people disappoint us, it impacts us deeply, especially when our friends let us down. And it can impact our relationship with God because he should be the most trusted person in our life. I remember a friend texted me and he said, um, it's a bummer you're not here tonight, but he said, it's not the same without you, but it's the same without you. What he meant was, it was a bummer I wasn't there at this particular gathering of church, but it felt good that I wasn't there. It felt normal. It felt like everything was okay. That, my friends, is a testament to the people who were in charge of that church gathering without Nadia and I there. Trust to have someone's back, that they would have your back, that they have ours and we have theirs. Proverbs 18, 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon, come, soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You can trust him. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Psalm 56, 8. You keep track of all my sorrows, the Bible says. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one of them in your book. He trusts you just like you can trust him. He trusts you with his people, with his presence, and with his mission. He trusts us to outwork his mission on the earth. Go into all the world and make disciples. Love thy neighbor. 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. We have the capacity to do great good, the good that he trusts us to do. 1 Peter 3.11 says, turn away from evil and do good. Amen. What a blessing we can be. The evangelical church, people filled, God-fearing people filled with his presence, have changed the world time and time and time again. What a blessing we can be. No single group in human history has contributed more to education than Christians have, to health care than Christians have, to the welfare and protection of children than Christians have. We have fought the slave trade, added more cause to the cause of charity. Isaac Newton, one of the greatest scientists who ever lived, was a devout Christian. He's the man who's the apple landed on his head. The world's largest orphanage system was started by a Christian. The church is the largest single provider of health care and education in the world. We have the amazing ability to do good. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. That when they see us, they see him. I remember walking with a friend one time who was a pastor through a supermarket, the grocery store. We walked through, he started talking to somebody. They started having a conversation, and then when the person walked away, he looked at me and said, I'll be the only Bible that person will ever read. In other words, people 
you might be the only contact with God they come across. Someone wrote, I think it was an Irish theologian, said that there are five Gospels. Before you shoot me, let me tell you what they said. There are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Christian. That you and me have a, a key, key role in the building of his church and the saving of many lives. I don't know if you know the movie Transformers or the figurines or the cartoon characters, but when Transformers, the movie, number one, came out on online, came out, sorry, at the movie theatre, I watched it so many times because it was the coming to life of my favourite childhood cartoon show, that and Dragon Ball Z, and, that, and that's a big amen from my name. But when it came out, I loved it so much. Transformers is the premise that there are robots in disguise, that they're, they're hiding in plain sight. The Bible says that we are ambassadors hiding in plain sight. That's the mum, the CEO, the builder, the teacher, the person that's in retail and e-commerce and management. You, my friend, are his ambassador hiding in plain sight to do good works. Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He trusts you. We are friends of God. Friends trust each other. We can do all these things because he trusts us to do them. I've got four kids. Right on me, Hugo Jovi, 11, 9, 4, and 2. And when you ask one of them to do something, there's a degree to which you're trying to grow the trust that they can do a good job of doing that thing. Do the dishes, sweep the floor, um, help me make dinner, uh, clear the table, do the laundry, whatever it might be. Um, go and grab me a diaper, some nappies, whatever it might be. You're growing in your trust to do those things. God trusts us with his mission and friends. It's greater than grabbing the nappies. His mission is the saving of many lives and he trusts us to do that. Good deeds that glorify our Father in heaven. And if you're taking notes, let me close with this. Friends, friends hang out. Uh, I uh, used to live at, on Neve Road, uh, Seatoon Heights, you know, sort of Seatoon, well, Seatoon, Miramar Heights. And I, uh, I was dating Nadia at the time, who's now my wife for 15 years. And I was living there and she was living locally and I would go around to her house and we went on it like uh, our first date. And I'll never forget going to see her and, and knocking on the door. You're a bit nervous, you know, you're a bit giddy about the whole thing. And I sort of said, hey, you know, um, you know, I don't know what you want to do tonight, but I've sort of got a plan for our first date. She opened the door. Hey, what are you thinking? And I was like, well, you know, I've got, um, I've got these personality tests. And I pulled these two pieces of paper out of my back pocket. And she was like, oh, what's that? And I was like, oh, you know, it's like a personality test for um, you and me to do, you know. And... And she's like, oh, what, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, like if you do the test and I do the test and then it finds that we're not compatible, then, you know, we won't date. But if we are, then let's go for it. We might as well not waste any time. And she was like, is this a joke? I was like, no, this is actually like a great idea. You know, you, you've got to do it private though. So you, you do yours, I'll do mine, then we'll compare results. And she said, this is like the worst first date ever. And I said, oh, I don't think it is. But, you know, she said, oh, I just wanted to hang out. And I'll never forget that I looked at her and I said, hanging out is a waste of time. Can you believe I got a second date after a, after a performance like that on my first date? Hanging out is a waste of time. What a phrase. Hanging out, my friends, is not a waste of time. Hanging out is a great use of time. I, my friends, have come a very long way. If Nadia has ever been right, though, that was it. 
an ultimate long-lasting kind of ride. Hanging out is in our DNA. It is who we are, which is why during this time it's hard to not have human connection because we are wired for relationship. We are made to meet people, to make friends, to hang out with others, to hang out with God. We are friends of God. I was in a leadership session a few years ago and this person was preaching on leadership and started talking about um, having a, a relationship with God that goes beyond s- slavery or sonship, but goes to another level of friendship with God. We, we were slaves. We become sons, sons and daughters. We become friends. Levels. Look, for instance, at my house uh, over this period of lockdown and quarantine, um, we, we've played a lot of board games. And namely, Settlers of Catan and uh, Monopoly Deal. We play these games, and I've been teaching the kids taught Ryder, taught Mika, and Ryder's 11. And he went, he went from zero wins in Monopoly Deal to 45 in the space of a week. He then went on a seven-game Settlers of Catan win streak, not against his siblings, against me and his mum and sister. And the quarantine will bring us together. We used to do things that he loved that I didn't love, playing with marbles, playing with cards, playing with Lego. But now we do things that we both love. That is friendship. There's that graduation that's taking place. And I was in this leadership session and this person was talking about friendship with God. And the Bible says in Genesis 5.21, talking about Enoch, it says that he walked with God and was no more for God took him. That's That's the eulogy of Enoch's life. He walked with God and was no more for God took him. And I was in the session and hearing this person preach. And this person put it like this. He said, I imagine God and Enoch were going for a walk. And they walked for so long that God looked at Enoch and said, hey man, we're closer to my place than yours. Do you want to crash over at my place tonight? Because isn't that a thing that we would do? That we would go for a walk and we would hang out. And instead of going all the way back to your place, why not just crash at mine? And the Bible says about Enoch that God took him, that he was a friend of God, so much a friend that God said, come on, I love your company that much. Come and stay at my place. And we never saw him again. When was the last time you hung out with God? This year, don't lose him. Don't get lost uh, amidst the activities of life. Keep him central. Keep your friendships active. Keep your relationship with God close. When I was... uh, with Nadia, I was asked to speak, her and I were asked to speak in Paris at a Hillsong Youth Conference a couple of years ago. And we went to the conference and it was great, Paris was great, but we made sure that we had a couple of days to sightsee. And uh, on the last day before we flew out, we cycled to uh, the Cathedral of Notre Dame. And I'll never forget cycling there and, and not really knowing where we were going or what on earth was happening and we got there. and. I was still trying to figure out if we were in the right place. So I googled the image of the Cathedral of Notre Dame to make sure that I was, the the cathedral I was looking at was it. There were hundreds of people waiting outside, a huge line that wrapped around the block, but still I needed confirmation. And there it was. The image and the cathedral were the same place. We were in the right place, the Cathedral of Notre Dame. We started lining up and Nadia, um, Nadia was so giddy, so excited that she bumped into these nuns that were in front of us. She didn't see them. They, they were these old women. And I was like, oh my gosh, you've offended the Lord. You know, it's so funny. We finally got inside and we walked in there and um, 
we started looking around at it, we're just awestruck. You're just awestruck by this amazing, amazing space. And we were kind of just cruising through. We lit a candelabra and we looked up to the right and there was a full-size wrought iron or steel crucifix of Jesus. Full-size. And it caught us for a moment as we saw the Christ crucified. And uh, we both held hands and sort of began to cry. And you know, I looked at Nadia and I said, uh, but we did that. We put him there. Our sin put him there. People, people, get it, people get it mixed up. They think that the Roman soldiers put Jesus on the cross. No man could force Jesus onto the cross. He put himself there voluntarily and needed to, to pay the price for our sin. And she was like, yeah, you know, gulp. And I said, oh, but he would have it no other way. He would pay the price for us. And when I think about being a friend of God and having a relationship with him, that he's our redemption, that he's our friend forever, that he's the one who paid that price so that we could have the privilege of that relationship with God. Wow. And so no matter where you are, bedroom, lounge room, dining room, in the kitchen watching it on the bench, let me encourage you right now. I'm going to throw it back to Jordan and the team in just a second as they put this online experience together for us today. But let me encourage you, don't travel to France to have a moment when you realize the gravity of what he's done for you to bring you close. The Bible says in the Psalms that he stooped down to make you great. I heard it once said that he's a clean God with dirty hands, that he was mistook for a gardener at the at the tomb Mary came out thought he was a gardener it wasn't it was Jesus why because he loves getting in the garden in the weeds in the soil of our heart and helping us fix us make us better and friend no matter where you are no matter what stage of life you're in no matter how old you are no matter what you've been going through this year no matter what you face no matter what we face run after God we are friends of God you are not distant. You have been brought close. And no matter where you are, let me pray for you today because I really believe that your life could be impacted by one simple prayer. What I'm going to do is this, is I'm going to pray for one group of people, then I'm going to pray for another group. The first group I'm going to pay for, pray for are people who need to acknowledge that we are friends of God, that we are close to Him. We've been brought close, that He loves us and paid the ultimate price. And the second group of people are those who have never prayed a prayer before. The sinner's prayer. To say, I need Jesus. Oh man, I'm away from him. The first group, you've been walking with him a long time, but you've drifted. I want to pray for you. No matter where you are. But the second group, I really want to pray that you would come close to him and acknowledge that you need him in your life. So Father, right now, God, we ask, have your way. For the first group of people, Father, I'm praying that you would be drawn close right now. Let us acknowledge that we're your friends. Let us acknowledge that we need you, that you pay the ultimate price to have a relationship, to be in proximity with us. And Father, we're praying for our second group of friends, for those that don't know you, those that are distant from you. Father, that we could acknowledge the good news of Jesus Christ, that you paid the ultimate price um, to die on that cross, like we saw that day in the Cathedral of Notre Dame, and paid the price for our sin. And no matter where you are, if that's you, Pray this prayer with me. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you 
bet you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm going to hand back to the team who put together this online experience again, Jordan Vailima, the whole family at Hills NZ. Thanks for having me. It's been a great pleasure to be back in New Zealand with you today. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time.